We're continuing our uh, series on soul keeping, uh, which is this, um, this excellent book by John Altberg. Uh, when Joe preaches, he always brings his copy up and holds up and shows you. Uh, I've, I left mine at home, so I can't do that. Um, but it's a great book, and it's been looking at all the things a soul needs. The soul needs rest, the soul needs a centre, the soul needs freedom. Uh, and today we're looking at um, the soul needs blessing. And blessing is one of these words that we, we, we use a lot and we kind of know what we mean by it. But I think some, for me, I kind of didn't fully appreciate or didn't fully understand what it means in a, in a biblical sense. Um, a few examples of the cultural understanding in kind of modern Britain we have the word blessing or blessed today. Um, one is sort of, common one is the receipt of good fortune. You might say blessed with a great job or blessed with uh, great children or one many people have said about me is, you know, blessed with outstanding good looks. Um, but there's many examples. Um, and then there's also signifying approval. You know, I give you my blessing. Um, and then there's, there's bless you, which is, it might be something a vicar says to you, which could feel interchangeable with have a nice day. And if someone sneezes, a British person will say, bless you. Um, the origins of this are a bit unclear, but it's likely it stems from a medieval belief that whenever you sneezed, you, you give me a nod there. You sneezed. You didn't sneeze. Well, it's likely it stems from a medieval belief that when someone sneezed, an evil spirit was, was leaving their body. Um, and saying, bless you, protected uh, them from the evil spirit. Personally, I'm a bit confused as to why you needed the protection once the evil spirit had left your body. Wouldn't you need it more when it's in your body? But we'll, we'll leave that. Um, so but people don't nowadays, as far as I'm aware, think that when you sneeze, an evil spirit's uh, leaving your body. But however, when someone sneezes, you have to say, bless you. It's the law. You have no choice. Um, but there's a few rules to it. So if you're in a social situation, uh, and you're with a friend and they sneeze, you just say, bless you, and move on. Uh, if it's in public with lots of people and someone sneezes, the person nearest to them must say, bless you, but they have to mumble it or say, say it very quietly and quickly, bless you. Uh, make no eye contact with them and then pretend nothing ever happened. Uh, people nearby, if they want to, can do a small nod of approval, but again, no eye contact. And uh, a relatively new one, if the sneezer is with somebody they know, uh, they can turn to them and say, oh, thank goodness I did a lateral flow test this morning. Um, there's another one. If a stranger sneezes in a public place and you're the only other one there, like if you're on a train carriage and there's, there's one other person you don't know, if they sneeze, you should say, bless you. And in that situation, a brief smile and eye contact is appropriate, but only for a few seconds, and then you should resume to looking out the window and pretend it never happened again. And then the other example of bless you that I can think of used today is one used as a sort of a patronising put-down or to soften a blow, as in, oh, honey, bless you for thinking chocolate milk comes from brown cows. Um, I'm looking at my wife, she doesn't think that. Uh, <laughs> as far as I know. Um, but uh, in the Bible, the word, it, it, it's a bit different. Um, so... Obviously, the Old Testament's written in Hebrew, New Testament's written in Greek. The most common Hebrew word 
in the Old Testament, translated as blessing or bless, is barak, which means to praise, congratulate, or salute. And the literal meaning of the word is to kneel. So as well as speaking well of someone, there's, there's an element of submission in the meaning. And the physical act of kneeling and saluting points towards this being something more than words, something that involves our bodies as well. So when King David wrote the famous Psalm 103, which opens with the Lord, the line, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. He was, it, it wasn't just about speaking well of God. He was talking about adoration, submission, and honoring, you know, like a, reach, a rich and deep act of fully giving of himself to God. And, and again, this, this line of all that is within me, just nodding towards that sense of physicality, this sense of our, our body being part of it. Then the other Hebrew word translated as blessing is Isha. Uh, and when I was writing this, I, whenever this comes across, I just can't keep forgetting, uh, imagining Barack Obama in Isha, because the two words are Barack and Isha. But that means a state of happiness or contentment. And in the New Testament, two Greek words used are makarios and eulogio. Uh, makarios being similar to Isha, uh, a, a state of happiness or contentment, and eulogio being like Barak, to kneel, salute, or praise. And eulogio is the root word of the modern English word eulogy, a deeply sacred act, more than speaking nicely about someone, but the privilege of being able to recount um, your memories of someone's life who's no longer with us. A few Years ago, I was walking a street away from my house and um, I saw a woman lying in the middle of the road, in the middle of a roundabout, and next to her, a mangled bicycle. Two other guys were standing over her and seconds earlier, she'd been hit by a car, which was now nowhere to be seen. The traffic was beginning to back up, so as one of the other guys called 999, and the other one started directing the traffic so it could move safely around her. I knelt down, touched her hand and said, we're calling an ambulance, try not to move. I'm Dan, I'll stay here with you. I asked her if she needed me to call anyone and she'd been on her way to her job cleaning houses. She asked me if I could call her client, explain why she wasn't gonna be there, as well as her husband. I call and explain the situation and soon after a woman appears, she says, I'm a doctor. And she, she hadn't been, she wasn't in, in the ambulance that we called, the ambulance wasn't that, yeah, she'd just been walking to work at West Mid. She'd seen what happened, she walked across. As she begins to examine her, I ask if there's anything I can do. And she says, just hold her head and keep it still. So the woman, she was lying in the road and I was kneeling just behind her head, just gently holding it. At that point, her cleaning client arrives. I'm sure not because he didn't believe me, um, but he just wanted to see if she was okay. He wanted to be there. The police and ambulance arrived and she was taken to hospital and I stayed to answer some questions for the police officers. I remember the experience as clear as day. 
And in that moment, when I was kneeling in the road, cars slowly flowing around us with my head just gently holding her, my, her head gently held in my hands, my heart filled with worry and compassion. In that moment, my soul was reaching out to hers, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And given that that Hebrew word meaning blessing, barak, literally means to kneel, it was, for me, it's a really poetic picture of the biblical sense of blessing someone. But it wasn't just me doing that. So too was the passing doctor who came to help, the two men who were carefully directing traffic. And they, they did it. I think they were born for that moment. There's one guy here, one that's going, stop, come, the other guy. And, and as well, her cleaning client who wanted to come and show his support physically. In different ways, we were all reaching out to her. Now that I've told you a somewhat self-indulgent story that paints me in a good light, um, let me tell you about a time I behaved in the exact opposite way. Uh, not just because it's good for my humility, um, but also sometimes you can understand something better if you understand its opposite. A few weeks ago, we uh, bought a car, about a month ago now, and uh, within days, it was clear it had a serious fault that would cost a lot of money to fix. Car had come with you know, third-party warranty, but the warranty company, perhaps unsurprisingly, said they, wouldn't, they couldn't cover it because it wasn't in the terms and conditions. And so I called to speak uh, to the boss of the garage that sold us the car, um, sort of saying, well, look, you've sold me a car, it doesn't work. You know, can you do anything about it? And he was just not having any of it. He's like, no, you took it, you signed this, you took it for a test drive, you sold it, it's your fault, and you signed it. And as I gently pushed back on him, he, he just hung up. I was, as you can probably imagine, furious. Absolutely furious. You know, it was this, the injustice, the financial cost, and, you know, probably most of all, this sense of being taken for a fool. It was embarrassing. And I began to think of what I could do. You know, perhaps write some negative reviews online. Perhaps report them to the Trading Standards Office. But what if that didn't, you know, hurt them enough? What if that didn't get back at them? And I, I began to think, well, I don't know, what if I called up HMRC and said, well, they said if we pay in cash, we don't have to pay VAT, so they get audited. And after I calmed down, I reflected, looked back, and I realised that in my rage, fantasized about making a fraudulent claim about someone's business. And that was me in the polar opposite state to blessing someone. Wanting to strike out instead of reach out. Being filled with anger instead of compassion. Willing misfortune onto someone instead of benefit. But the thing the thing that I really reflect on the most is not just that this is, that was a bad thing to do and it was bad to, to follow through on, on what I was imagining in my head, although it was bad, but the thing I reflect the most on is that state of being, that anti-blessing, it was corrosive to my soul. The more I thought about it, the angrier I got, the more I thought about how unfair it was and how I should do something about it, the more I wound myself up. And this person was living rent-free in my head. 
It wasn't until I let go and said, it's happened, let's write it off, that I began to relax and feel a sense of peace. Abraham's mandate was to receive blessing from God and be a blessing to the world. And as we saw in the verse from Galatians, that mandate is also ours. Because the soul finds a wholeness when it is blessed, but also when it blesses others. I'm sure you know the famous saying, uh, it's better to give than to receive. But God turns to us and we in turn have the invitation, the opportunity to turn towards others and bless them. That's the Abrahamic covenant. Now, I'm a firm believer that theology that works on paper, but not in practice, in the real world, is bad theology. So, if you'd like to, I invite you to test out this theory that blessing others is good for your soul. Why not this week try going out of your way to bless all the people you come across, everyone. You don't need to search out victims of traffic accidents. It could be the person who serves you some coffee, someone you speak to in a call center, members of your family, maybe even the person who sells you a dodgy car. And you don't need grand gestures, just the simple practice of turning towards them and your soul reaching out to them in love. My father has a habit of whenever he sees a street sweeper, someone cleaning the road, he'll go up to them and say, excuse me, I'd just like to thank you very much for cleaning our streets. I really appreciate your work. When I was a child, I found this the most cringeworthy, <laughs> embarrassing, embarrassing thing. But looking back on it now, I can see what he was doing. He was, I think he particularly chose street sweepers because he imagined that they're not someone who gets regularly thanked. They're somebody who are probably quite invisible to the majority of society. But I saw now what he was doing. He was blessing them. He was reaching out to them with his, with his soul. So... If you'd like to, try it and test it. Try it for a week. Everyone you come into contact with, try and think, how can I absolutely bless this person? And see, see if it makes a difference to your interactions and also the health of your soul at the end of the week. So I'm just going to close in prayer as John comes up. Thank you, God, that you've turned towards us. Thank you that just as you said to Abraham that he would be blessed and through him all people will be blessed. Thank you that that promise is, us, is for us too. And this coming week, I ask that you would put us in situations where we can really, really bless people who really need it. Amen.